Hello everyone and welcome back to episode 17 of the podcast. With me, Jason Wilkinson, and we are joining once again a Mr. Jonathan Reed Edwards for part two of our interview, aka JR. He is of Black House Pictures, he is a writer, director, and he collaborates extensively with his partner in crime, Kate Tuck. Kate, if you're listening, you are more than welcome to come on the show. Please do get in touch and, uh, and say, Oi, Jason, Jason, I want to come and have a chinwag with you. Let's go. Um, yes, without further ado, just get, let's get into it. Where do you get the confidence that the project is complete? Ah, so you mean like uh, what stage? Like when it's completely what, done? Or what, just yeah, script? like um, whether it's in, is it in, uh, in the script, you know, is it in post? At what point you've spoken about having to rewrite or wanting, choosing to rewrite yeah. your, your, uh, your feature, Good Neighbor. But, you know, there is, is there a point or are you always remaining fluid? It's a, that's a really good question because, okay, so uh, there's two answers, I guess. So the end game, when it's finished and you're letting it out into the world, I think like with all art, you've just got to let go. It's like someone, either yourself, your inner critic or a collaborator has to stage some kind of intervention and be like, <laughs> look, you know, it's time, all right? You can't release the seventh special edition, <laughs> not naming names. You just got to let go, you know? And I think, the other thing, though, is when, is when is the script ready where you're like, okay, we're going to commit to this. We're going to get casting that because that, yeah, that for me is probably the biggest one because there's jobs on the line. You know, the, the, it becomes a real thing. It doesn't become me in these four walls writing a script. It becomes loads of people giving over a couple of years of their life <laughs> to, mm. to doing this thing. I think it's, I think what it is, is it's finding, making sure you know what it is. And I keep saying serving the story. But it's about making sure finding that thing you're going to serve, you know, the what's it about. And once you're dead set on that, then I think it will take care of itself. So you can, you know, let go of the script, put it into production, and then you'll feel free enough that you might have to change the script, but you're still serving that story you talked about. So for me, I'm on my sixth draft of this new idea, and I have to admit this draft my last draft was a shambles, but that was great because it means that this draft was exactly what it had to be. And I think I know it's what it had to be because I know I'm now serving the story to its fullest. And that's the thing. And I think you'll, there's a lot of films, and I hate to say there are a lot of streaming platforms where maybe someone's been given too much leeway, mm -hmm. where they were like three drafts away or two drafts away from having that script set. And you can always tell, like, the characters aren't quite there or you hit the midpoint of the film and you're like, yeah, I guess I'm here. Actually, you know mm -hmm. what, I'll have a cup of tea. You know, and that's... <laughs> that's the cup of tea mm. or the mum test, I call it. Yeah. Is your mum still awake watching it? <laughs> <laughs> My girlfriend but, yeah. falls asleep like 10 minutes into any film, so <laughs> I guess... Oh, so now you know, though, the one we're still awake for, that is... Oh, dude, that's the best story yeah. right there. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Um, do you have any anything else on that? I don't know if I, I just kind of interrupted no, and think, then stopped your it. flow. Think, no, 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 I think it's... No, it's I mean, don't worry, I ramble all the time. Um, no on set, though. Yes or no on set, obviously. But I think it is about, yes, serving the story. And if you don't know what you're serving, then, oh, you can't do it yet. Just wait. Wait until mm. you find it. Mm. Go away, do something else, come back. But we've all got to serve the story, everyone. Yeah, totally. 
Yeah, absolutely. In anything you're doing, you know, serve the yeah. story, even if the story is is the goals of your life. Yes. You know, serve it. Serve it. Otherwise, yeah, it's, it's not, um, not going to complete. Someone close to me gave me just really, really good advice that, again, it sounds like, well, of course you'd say that. But no, it, I hadn't listened to him. He just said, um, go find your joy. And it was great. And then a few weeks later, I had the script breakthrough and message him. And I was like, dude, I found my joy. And it was just so simple. I was like, thank you. And again, it's, it's, again we've gone full circle, that positive reinforcement, mm. not for the sake of it, but because people need it. We're all, mm. We all have a negativity bias built in and it takes effort to fight against that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Fantastic. Um, so you've completed many projects to date. You know, your list is pretty vast. You've got a lot of experience in lots of different projects and lots of different types of roles. We've, we've covered that. Um, do you become more confident with each one or do you get more like apprehensive with kind of expectations and the pressure? Do they, oh, do yeah. they affect your confidence? I think, I think, you know what it is? It's um, about trust again. I think, because mm. uh, the thing is, I was, let's, jump back eight years ago or so like when i've just been signed and i'm like i've got an agent and all of this stuff mm -hmm. and you my cockiness and confidence was through the roof right you know and i can tell you now that that jr couldn't write all right he oh. was not there he could do like he could put a script together that you know is better than a lot of things you see actually made but it wasn't good um mm. and i think by losing a sense of confidence in myself i've had to like rebuild it organically because I think confidence is real confidence, useful confidence, confidence that doesn't hurt or step on other people comes from craft and like working through something and bettering yourself. And I mean, I don't have kids and anyone who has kids can probably tell me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure when you first have your kid, you're like, wait, they let me be a parent. And you see, there's no, <laughs> there's no manual, you know, there's, there there's, there's be never right. been a manual, but you know, there's, but there's this thing, no one gave you a license to have a child. Like you mm -hmm. just had a child. And, and as you get older, you're like, you, you raise a child to turn into a little person, pretty awesome little person. <laughs> so when you have the next kid, you're like, okay, I think I've got the craft of this down. And it won't be exactly the same, but you trust yourself more. And I think mm -hmm. that's what it is. I know that tomorrow you could, I don't know, come like put a bag over my head scarily, bang me in a car, take me to a set and be like, direct John now. <laughs> and I'd be very upset what you've done to me, but I'd be like, yeah, cool, we can do this. I think that's the difference. Um, when I was confident in the way I thought was confidence, when really it was just cockiness, I was hiding inability. And I think we all do that. And we all have to do that to some extent. Um, guys, obviously, we're used to doing it more than everyone else in society is um, mm. because that's just the horror of the patriarchy. Like we've, we've been able to fail much better and just be allowed to carry on again. Um, but I think, yeah, I think... The confidence I have now in me is much more genuine because I know it can crumble at any second. I know what confidence really is. Um, and I know that you can still do your best work when you have no confidence at all. You just mm. have to trust yourself. You got to trust yourself. You got to trust it, yeah. haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like you might have no idea, but just trust yourself. You've done it before. You mm. can do it. Yeah. I had a similar, had a similar kind of experience. Um, first one, switching from well not switching but uh starting to teach drama you know not just like yeah. be drama or be dramatic or you know be on the stage be on the screen 
It was, can I actually impart anything to the younger generations? And then having them kind of be like, whoa, yeah, you know so much. But then, you know, another another sort of string to that bow there is um, starting this, you know, interviewing you. I don't know how to interview, but... I did pretty bloody good job of it. Thank you very much. (laughs) the the first one i was uh, i was like nervously excited because it was like yeah you're doing this now this is this is the thing you're committed now you're doing it you're you're committed to getting this podcast uh at least the next two three years you're committed to keeping this going you're not backing out of this one pal uh and 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 it was like a nervous excitement of like ooh. and then the second one the second one i was like well we did it and uh, but julian dismore is a complete stranger to me completely cold like completely cold and uh so that was our very first conversation that we ever had is what you hear right yeah so then that gave me another bit of confidence to be like yeah you if you can do it with complete strangers you can definitely do it with people you know you know anyway um so (laughs) what keeps you JR, what keeps you motivated to keep on creating? Oh, okay. Usually it would be just watching films and stuff and just the joy I get from it. Um, I think though, as I get older, this is going to sound really aimed. I think at the moment in my life, it's probably just because it's the only thing I know what to do. Um, And there's not really, it's not like I can just be like, I'm not going to make films anymore. I'm going to go do this career. It's Mm. like, it's kind of this or death i guess <laughs> like you know it's just Whoa. like it, i like it not not in terms of just making stuff just mm-hmm. uh it's what makes me happy man just like you know like i love a lot of people aren't going to agree with me on this but i love writing because i'm just making up entire worlds mm-hmm. and if i don't like them i can just do another draft <laughs> and make up a whole new world mm-hmm. it's great you know um and that's and that's another important lesson like about being precious like so what if you wrote a script if it's crap don't worry about it Mm. just never look at it again (laughs) just just put it away start again you know um because there's definitely lots of things where i was like pushing through with a script because i thought it could get made and i thought this was what they wanted me to do and it wasn't what i wanted to do and then the moment i realized like i I was in a meeting actually is when i was first in LA, and i pitched an idea that i wanted to do and I've been told not to pitch. And I pitched it. And then I was like, oh, they really like that. And I really like that. Isn't that what I meant to do? And mm. you saw, and I had a radical changed every who I was with, everything agency-wise. And it was great. And now I've got a fantastic team of independent who are just like very patiently waiting for John to do his thing. You know, <laughs> it will happen. Like a chrysalis slowly yeah. emerging. <laughs> oh no, the butterfly emerges, not the chrysalis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well it's all this alien alien worlds, I guess, you know. It's yeah, something like that. Yeah, one of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think it's yeah, it's um you you get closer and closer to doing the thing you want to do. And like you look at um George Miller who made Mad Max, like all the Mad Max films. Mm-hmm. I kind of love that he's just basically and this is not a diss, this is sincere love of the man mm-hmm. kind of made with the man maxim he's kind of keeps making the same film again and again we're watching different drafts mm. and each draft is just like oh man draft two man Max, it was great it was okay but fury road <laughs> was like oh it was amazing and you what you're watching is this dude who's accumulated all this lifetime of craft and storytelling injecting it back into the draft and oh one of the purest cinema experiences i've ever seen like i could watch 
I could literally watch Mad Max Fury Road forever and ever and ever and ever. Mm, Even when I want to watch, like, you know, like, really navel-gazy stuff, I'll just turn the sound down and mm-hmm. watch it again. Like, <laughs> yeah, I feel, it's, like, it's, yeah. I feel like there hasn't been enough pressure on, on those guys to go and make another one. I feel like yeah, people yeah, kind of just yeah. went, oh, yeah, Fury Road, yeah, cool, another Mad Max film. It's like, well, at some point, that person's, those people aren't going to be around anymore. I, I thought Tom Hardy was a fantastic Mad Max. Yeah. You know, yeah. Charlize Theron yeah, in yeah. that is a beast. Um, N- Nicholas uh, Holt, oh, Holt. Nick, yeah, 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 was fantastic in it as well. And the the lead, he the the um the main the bad guy, he just died, oh, yes. didn't he? Yeah, he, he just, just passed away story, yesterday. Yeah. Just want to say we did not know on the day, but his name was Hugh Keysburn. It was um, he was in the uh, the original Mad Max as well. It, but it's that thing of yeah, went back to the same collaborators just because it was his joy. He found his mm. joy and he smashed it, um, mm. and I love it. Yeah, it's yeah. great. It's great. I, I think that's a, that's a. I'd never thought about that though, and it definitely is just n- new drafts of the same film, isn't it? Because <laughs> it's awesome. I, I guess you can get away with that when it's um, it's all taking place within the same universe, and it doesn't it doesn't matter that he's just um, he's just solved that uh, that issue because there's plenty more. You know, exactly. Within, yeah. Within yeah. the world. Um, there's a there's a book that um, I was interviewing this uh, business owner yesterday. I'll splice it in and then say what the name is because I can't remember the name or the author. It's kind of a, a bizarre one. One day in the life of Ivan Denisovich by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. But essentially, the concept is the book is a day in the life of this man in the gulag. Okay. And it's it's just the most horrendous thing, supposedly. I've got I've got to go read it, you see. He recommended it to me, and I'm going to go read it. But at the end of the journey, at the end of the book, it's the most horrific day you can ever imagine, supposedly. And at the end of the book, it says, and this was just one day in the <laughs> life, and there, and there were 6,000 more. You know, there were, there were 600 more days just exactly the same. And they're like, oh... Oh my god, you know, you can just imagine it's like yeah, bloody Mad Max. Yeah, I, I do I do want yeah. to keep seeing that story and I do want to keep seeing their desperation and the hardship that they've gone through because it's just bloody horrific. But yeah, but also that's cool. I'm absolutely yeah. happy to see that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I guess that idea, you know, that theory, I'm not sure, not in a bad way whether I subscribe to it. You know, that there are seven basic plots. And we keep mm. watching Zemans, but it, it's fine. That's why I eat the same food. Mm, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. It's why, you know, I like, like the same clothes. Like, it's mm-hmm. just, we're creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. And we just like slight changes in those habits mm-hmm. to keep us going. Yeah, uh, from my kind of actor studies, uh, I was found this fantastic book called 45 Characters. So whilst there may be seven stories, there are 45 characters to fit that in works. those seven stories you see and it's a fan- it's a fascinating read it uh it takes you through all this you know the journey of um i've got it right here actually in my bookshop yeah see that 45 oh, master characters. characters yeah so as and you go through and it will show you like you know for example you know it'll have hey is, is that mirrored for you yeah no no i can see it the yeah, recluse it's, in the wall. 
Exa yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, and it'll go through and it will have like what, mo what their motivations are, you know, what do they fear? What does that thing fear? What do they see in other people? What do they see in yes. people that are just like them? And then it has like the whole supporting characters. It's a pretty cool, that's like, really good. it's a pretty cool manual for actually. Yeah, as that's a got all the who, what, where, when, why. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it's by Schmidt. Victoria Schmidt. Available yeah. from bookshop.org. Uh, exactly, exactly. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. <also> Amazon. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's from writersdigest.com if you can't find it on any of those outlets. So I don't know whether it was previously a blog and then she's turned it into a book or what have you, but it's Absolutely. very good, very insightful, really useful. Awesome. Because it'll have like key quotes as well from what that type of person will say or, or and also when we've seen them in the theatre, when we've seen them in film, uh... where we've seen them in TV. So... There's lots of like workable examples to apply to your own writing as well as performance. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, I see. Oh, it, that's a really good resource. Yeah, I see it more as a writing tool than an acting yeah. tool personally. Um, but I'm sure you could use it as an actor. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, it feels like that's like an extrapolated version of the uh, the actions book, but yeah. with yeah, you know, yeah. That's really exa good. Exactly, exactly. It's like the yeah, it's the practice behind the behind the uh, the theory i guess of of actions that's yeah. you can't exactly sit there and it's a bit like reading the dictionary isn't it if you sit there and, and read the actions book i've tried yeah, i've tried, tried. <laughs> i've tried i was just like oh yeah oh, yeah okay to ensnare all right okay yeah, yeah. yeah to inform don't do to inform <laughs> brilliant all right so you have seven different projects in development at the moment Where... and maybe yeah there, there might be more there, maybe there's a more. couple more yeah um, maybe um, some have disappeared yeah some of this after this call some have disappeared kind of, actually, no, <laughs> no, i'm no, gonna no. rewrite that I'm going to rewrite that. We've discussed kind of one of the places where you found inspiration and we've kind of looked at it um in terms of starting to beginning now in in at this time of your life to look inside rather than trying to create things outside um what is it that inspires you for you know all of these different projects what is it um you know how is it i think it's that same thing again i think it's two separate things coming together i'll have something i want to talk about and i really do mean that not in like i want to talk about climate change but i mean like um so one new idea is i'm not going to talk about the idea but it comes from this thing of accepting who you are now so you could have been someone who's done either terrible things or really good things in the past, but it's about we rarely accept what we are now. We're nostalgic for a lot of things in our lives, and mm. we're surrounded by the past. This room is filled with so many things in my past that reinforce my daily existence. But what if I'm confronted with just now, who I am now? And then I wanted to go, then I think, well, what's the best way again to say that? What's the best medium? And do I, with this film in particular, one of the main things was I was like, I want to make people feel good and i've never approached a film like that ever um, and it doesn't mean a feel-good film because it's going to have some harsh stuff in it but i want it to be enriching to people whereas the perverse of this dude so i'll give you an example of when it doesn't work when i don't want to do something i've been wrestling with another idea which might happen in the future and it was a great story idea the story the plot was a good idea i really loved it i loved pitching it to people Every time I thought, what is this film about? I could not come up with anything. And if, there's, if it's not about anything, 
then how the hell am I going to get myself, let alone everyone else, to give a few years of their life mm. over to this one thing? Um, and I think it's fine if you're doing an IP like I'm making Fast and the Furious. It's fine. It's about family. I get it. You know, I can, I can make a million films like that. But I think the thing that keeps me going, yeah, is what is it about? And if, it, if it's something that resonates, not necessarily with me in my life, but with other people or whatever, then I'm keen to jump on board. Um, and that's usually the thing I realize if I have a problem with a script, a problem with a character, it's because I've forgotten what it's about. And I say every note I give when someone's like, John, can you read my script? Um, I usually ask them, do they have a log line? And so many people hate this. And I hate it as well when people ask me, I'll say that. A log line? A log line. So it's getting your script down to a sentence, essentially. So the good name is about a woman learning to ask for help. There you go. That's. But if I'd known that sentence from day one of writing The Good Neighbor, the script would have been so much easier because every time I have a question, I have to go, is that what this is about? Mm-hmm. Is that what this is about? Is that, and you know, it's a great driving force when you have a problem. And I usually find when I have writer's block, it's because I haven't defined what it's about. I mean, as an actor, you know, the idea of um, it would be terrible. It'd be useless playing a role that doesn't want anything. Like the first, the character has to want something. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there's no drama. There's nothing going on in that person. They're not a person. I think as a writer, as a storyteller, you've got to want something. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's got to be what the hell is this about? Yeah. And it can be anything. Yeah. I, I don't mind if it's about peanuts. Just mm. I'll make of the best film about peanuts <laughs> as long as I know it's about peanuts. <laughs> yeah, that's a good answer. It can because even even with Seinfeld, you know, the show about oh, nothing, yeah. they still oh, want. Yeah. All of them have their wants, don't they? All of yeah, those characters, yeah. they still have their wants, even though they're, uh, it, it is a show about nothing. And it's yeah, so thing, entertaining. I, I, I mean, I, I recently, we recently watched all of Seinfeld, like mm. binged it. Have um, you seen them before? No, that's the thing. I, I, the, the only episode I'd seen, yeah, get this, was the last ever episode when it was on TV originally, on BBC Two. What? I caught it was like, this is really funny, even though it's meant to be one of the worst ones. I think time has been kind. Um, but, the thing about Seinfeld, which is what Curb, all the Larry David stuff has as well, it's like the characters, man, like you say, they, they want so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They've got so many inner obstacles. They're awful <laughs> people. And it's just, it, the show is about them. You know, like mm-hmm. that's the thing. That was what was so good. And that was why I was like, if you did make it anything about other than them, it would have been the worst show ever. Mm-hmm. Like, just give me, like, just give me, cause give me Kramer, give me any of them. They're, oh, that that show has given me so much joy this year. I yeah, it. oh, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Uh, have you seen It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm not up to the last season, but okay. yeah, that... Yeah? Are you, does it have the same kind of feeling? It, it gives me a different feeling, but in a, a feeling that I need. Uh, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, just that, yeah, so uh, the thought of Frank, Danny DeVito's character, like, there's that episode where he just paints his feet black and calls them shoes like <laughs> <Yeah>. i just like <laughs> i just I, I need things like that uh-huh. in my life to go with the serious drama yeah as well. we need all of these flavors man yeah we, we need, need the flavors exactly there's yeah. a there's a whole cuisine out there we need to need to sample each and every one of these world foods don't we yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. just a variety um so there's only a couple more questions left because obviously yeah. as well you've given you've been incredibly generous with your time Right, it's Saturday. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. You've got all these seven projects. Presumably, so, well, some of them are going to you know, expand, some of them aren't. And 
really a lot of people would have just one or two projects and that would be way too much they'd be completely <laughs> overwhelmed do you think you need to have multiple projects or multiple juggling balls to keep your creative juices flowing or is I think, it just I, I think, you know I, I know what you mean i think it depends partly on the person because i mean i'm not just because i'm only speaking from me but because there are a lot of people in this industry who will only write something if they're paid and i think mm -hmm. i do understand that and i get it and um, because i would love money um but i will say that very few of my i mean all of my feature scripts are spec scripts they're all done in-house and that's so, yeah what's a, what's a spec my... what's a spec script for our uh, for our audience what does that mean also spec script is just when you're like i just want to write this script no one's paying me to do it i'll just do it and then you'll like try and sell it afterwards or get it made mm -hmm. um whereas a regular script you know um you can pitch an idea and then someone pays you to write it and i like doing spec scripts just because of i guess time and the way the industry works like mm -hmm. i would have to yeah somehow get in the door for every single one of these ideas and then hope that they would all get made and that would actually at first you'd think that's easier but actually no man just sitting and writing down a script in your own time going through many drafts means that when you do finally come to making it it's like this slick oiled machine that then will get a whole new set of eyes on it and will get even better if you choose the right people obviously if you choose the wrong people that's your own fault um and no matter how much they pay you it's your yeah. own fault. Um, <laughs> but i i think it, but i also think it's good because there are other things as well so for example with powderfinger i have two producers on board who just love the idea and have come on board because of the drafts and it's been great because one producer joined at the second draft another joined at the third draft and they're two collaborators who are new in my life from a collaborative sense who are giving me these amazing notes to go with kate's notes as well other people's notes that have got me to this draft that is very different to the first one I had, but it's exactly the story I wanted to tell. And I think that necessarily wouldn't happen if I was getting paid to do this. That would probably only happen, dude, if I was really famous and I could just get people to write ideas for me, which is what Steven Spielberg does. And I, I love Steven Spielberg. I'm unapologetically, I adore the man. And he's someone who does not write much himself, obviously. He, but he'll have ideas. And then someone will go write the script or him, someone will write a draft. He'll give his ideas to that and it becomes a Steven Spielberg film. Um, I did not know that. That's wild. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, dude. I, one thing I always tell writers and directors is I didn't write my favorite films. So mm -hmm. that means that, that they've always been written by better people, you know. And I hope, I, I look forward to the day in the future where, you know, I get to meet another writer who's like, I've written the script and I read it. I'm like, holy that is amazing. I never would have come up with that. Can I direct that? Mm -hmm. I love the idea of that. I write out of necessity because it's stories I want to tell and because I, I trust that I can tell those stories. Um, and also it means that I can be diverse in the stories I tell rather than someone going, John makes that particular flavor. Let's just give him chocolate to make all the time. You know? Oh, let's make it less racial. Uh, strawberry ice cream to make all the time. <laughs> but like that, that, that's important because all of my ideas are I mean, the one I'm about to write is more like Groundhog Day. You know, mm, that's the closest film. thing I can write, whereas the one I just pitched you was The Shining. Mm -hmm. So, and I think if you may, if, you know, Harold Ramis, may he rest in peace, he's amazing, he made Groundhog Day, you would exactly have gone like, well, I bet that guy can make a Kubrick-style film, mm -hmm. but who knows? Mm -hmm. He probably could have. He's happy.
how freaking Ramus. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. He was I, Egon Spangler. The man can do anything. Exactly. I saw um I saw Owen Wilson in um a film twenty years ago called Behind Enemy Lines was on the T V oh, yeah. the other day. And in it he's not comedy at all. He's it's an action movie for him, it's a serious role. And I can't help but look at it and see the comedy Owen Wilson in it. Something was there to rescue him, but it's it's gone, you know, it goes away and he's like and he's like it it has to actually cut away his audio because you see him kind of go, wow, oh God, where, where, where are you going? You know, and it's so, it's so Hansel, you know, it's so Owen Wilson, comedy guy that we know now. But yeah. I think at that moment, if you're any kind of producer or, um, you know, back in the day, you go, okay, we've got our comedy guy. He yeah, doesn't exactly, think he's yeah. a comedy guy, but yeah, he's a comedy guy right there. And a yeah, fair play to him yeah. for trying, you know, and, and giving it a go and giving it a bash. It's just so bizarre to see, like, wow, they at one point thought that Owen Wilson was a was an action yeah, with dude. Ha- with Gene Hackman. Yeah, Gene like, Hackman's in it. Like the last Gene Hackman films, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, bizarre. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? crazy um oh yeah i was gonna ask you um how do you ensure you're always developing your skill as a director oh you know do you get it from teaching now or do you get it from juggling these balls you know i think it's very this is though so i'll tell you you've hit on a hot stove i call it like a hot stove in the rest oh oh you said something painful there where it is that thing of where, um, cause obviously I shot the feature three years ago and mm-hmm. all I've done since then is write, shoot shorts and teach essentially, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I'd love to tell people that shooting shorts keeps you in the game. I, I don't really think that and I'll tell you why. Um, I think shorts are great for working with people and everything like that. Um, and just keeping you confident in a sense. That's what I get from doing those short things is I'm like, I can still do this. I'm amazing. I really say that, obviously. But, like, you know, you're sort of, like, going, oh, cool, I can still do this. This is great. Um, these are really talented people. It's just good to be in the community. That's the thing I miss. Like, I miss... You asked me earlier, did I act? And I acted loads when I was younger. Like, not on screen, but on stage and stuff. Um, and I, I miss the camaraderie of, you know, you know when it would be the end of a run and you're like, I'm going to see these people forever. And then mm. you've never spoken to them again for years mm. and years. Um, and I, I love the camaraderie of a set. But in terms of confidence as a director, I would always tell people who do go to me, like, I've only made like three films and I want to make a feature. Is that bad? I'm like, well, look at Stanley Kubrick. All right. He made not that many films. He really didn't make. He I didn't think make it's like seven, is it? About seven or eight? Like something and, like and that. And that's over a period from like, you know, that was it late 50s i guess mm. but every All single one of them was different 99 oh no they're great but that's every single that, one that's, different different genre right i think it's because he wasn't always working he was always doing the thing he when i say working i mean he wasn't always on set because mm-hmm. i do have um uh friends who obviously like are doing fantastically well in terms of career now in terms of they're making films they're just always on set doing ads or something like that and I'm just not that kind of person. I'd love that money. Do not get me wrong. Mm-hmm. And if anyone wants to give me a job like that, I'll do it. It's great. But in terms of my, me as a filmmaker, I don't know. I think that's about, like we talked about earlier, serving the story you want to tell. And I think Kubrick mm. is the perfect example of someone who did that. Uh, maybe in the complete opposite direction to 
how exactly I mean. There's a healthier version of it. But, um, okay. <laughs> you know, there's, that's the point. He didn't, he wasn't there sort of um, getting all this. He wasn't Stanley Kubrick because he was on a bajillion set. Mm-hmm. He was Stanley Kubrick because he was Stanley Kubrick and it was a confluence of working with the right people, spending lots of time on projects. But the most important thing is he was always at his best when he was clearly doing what Stanley wanted to do. Mm. Um, and my only antidote to that is like, do that responsibly because obviously not everyone got treated the best all the time from that, but he's amazing from it. Um, and I just think that for me, as long as I'm working towards a story I want to tell, I think I'm happy and I think I'm confident. I think that's the thing. Um, and obviously I wrestle with that all the time. I knew the last draft of my screenplay was the worst probably out of the six, but I knew that. And that's what's key. It's recognizing it. And now this new draft I'm over the moon with. I think it's really good. I think it's strong. I think it's what I want to tell. And that excites me. Like the idea that one day we'll be hopefully chatting about Powderfinger as a film. Um, oh, that's great. I love that idea. And that's what keeps me going. Um, and yeah, don't get me wrong. I would love to work on a TV show, whatever, and do stuff. And I don't say TV show like Small Axe because that's not a TV show. That's a bunch of films. It's a very specific, very lucky person got to make five of those. Um, I think those things are just good for, yeah, keeping a hand in, I guess. But I don't necessarily think they increase your confidence. I mm. really don't. I think for an actor, that would be different. Um, if I was an actor, I just want to have every opportunity I can to just practice my craft. Mm. Literally every opportunity. Half of them don't even get released anyway, right? So exactly, that's, well that, that's the thing. You, you can do something. One thing I love about acting is the idea that you could practice your craft in a terrible film, like a terrible film. The director will never work again, but you can still put in a really good performance and you can be recognized for that. And that happens so much. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in a, uh, a bad, jealous way. I mean that in a thank God, because then we would lose so many good actors because everyone has to start somewhere. Um, and I just think when it comes to filmmaking, yeah, writing's different though, dude. Write, write, write. Write all the time. All mm-hmm. the time. But directing, I just think it's, it's such a random job in a sense. Um, it's such a confluence of so many things that mm-hmm. I just think you're never going to be on the same set every time anyway, mm-hmm. unless you're Peter Jackson and he gets to be Peter Jackson. <laughs> but that's it. That's <laughs> wild. Rebel. Yeah, what's kind of really fascinating about that is... So from an actor's perspective, so I would consider myself like actor, writer, director. I, I love, I do love to, to write and having, you know, yeah. taught the kids and stuff like that, you know, and doing the school productions and things like that, you know, what's really interesting hearing you talk about that in terms of the contrast between directors and, and actors is from the actor perspective, the, the actor thinks that the director can just go and do that and just go create <laughs> anything. So you're telling me the actors have it good, but equally the actors are going, yeah, but you guys have got it good to, you yeah, know, you I, guys I should have got stress, it I should stress as a film director. That's, yeah. a, that's a different thing. When, mm. when it's theatre, it's different. I, the, the joy of theatre I like is theatre is apocalypse proof. Mm. Like the world can blow up. There can be you and me left. And man, we can put on a one-man show. It's mm, great. Yeah. I can't do a one-man film. <laughs> so, no. You know, no electricity in the future. No. Yeah. And that, that, I think that's one of the powers of theatre that film doesn't have, is that film really does need a village every time. Whereas, mm. like, theatre, you can have it, it's, it's a different beast. And I think if I was still doing theatre, yeah, I just want to be directing all the time, man. I just want to be with mm-hmm. my people mm-hmm. all the time. 
Yeah. <laughs> do you prefer do you prefer film to the screen? Yeah, to, I think to, it's to, just, to stage. Yeah, I think it's just when I do, I I miss acting on stage. Um, and I would, I much, I much rather would just be on stage and be the center of attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate being in front of a camera for acting, but on stage, I, I used to love it. Mm-hmm. And it was only until I went to drama center and then I saw people who could actually act. I was like, Oh God, I'm terrible. Aren't I? <laughs> oh, that's cool. I'll stay back. You know, I'll, I'll stay back. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, as a direct, as a film director, um, but I would state this dude that. I only say that about film directing in terms of I don't have to do it all the time to feel confident. I think because I've done a lot of it. And when I say a lot, I mean, just for me personally, I feel like I've got, especially at Drama Center and things like that, like I managed to get through a lot of obstacles that a lot of people face, you know, and I'm just completely comfortable in myself as a director. And I get that that is not everyone. And I get that that took a lot of work to get there. It didn't just magically happen. But right now, yeah. If I make Powderfinger and I have to take a break for five years, then okay, I guess I would. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'll be making Star Wars 10. So don't mm-hmm. worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. All right. So the question from our audience member is, and equally you can answer this or not answer this, because sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they're a bit personal and sometimes you might not want to give it away, you know? I overshare, man. You're all right. Yeah. I overshare. <laughs> <laughs> so the question is, how did you find out who fits best for a specific role during the audition process? Ooh, that's a good question. Okay, right. Full disclosure, I've had fewer, in terms of ratios to castings, and uh, in terms of ratio of who was auditioned and who I just wrote for, I usually write more for people. But obviously in the future, like with this upcoming script, I am probably going to do casting calls for everyone, particularly as... The lead character is meant to look like me, a mixed race person. And there aren't really many mixed race uh, actors of my age who could play this role. And that's part of the point of the film is there's this whole world that just doesn't exist on the film screen. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so to answer that question, it's two things, guys. It's A, just talent, obviously. And talent isn't like in terms of God-given from like a little jar, put like a little drop of talent. It's like their craft. You know, how hard are they going to work? How suited are they for performance? But most importantly, more than anything, guys, this is the key thing that loads of people forget, is can you work together? That's the most important thing. So it could be seeing how they react to notes, seeing how they try out new things, see how they change up their performance, and also just what they bring into the room regardless of you. Um, and I think that's the most important thing. We talked about it a lot today is collaboration and you're inviting someone you're going to collaborate with for a very long time and they've got to serve the story they've got to be keen to do this for a long time you've got to just you've got to know they care and i Mm. think you particularly with the way the world works now people think they can just sort of get either cast or make something anything like that you know become a content creator and then it'll just happen Mm -hmm. and as you've just been talking to me jason you've been putting so much work into this podcast that you know it doesn't just like the podcast doesn't just happen you don't just press like record and stop and then there's a post button like that's not how it works Mm -hmm. with acting it's like oh it's long actors have such hard jobs like and for someone like me i'm going to identify how much I can push you. And when I say push you, not to a bad place like, um, you know, a million takes, but more like how flexible are you 
in terms of your talent, your craft? Like, can I completely flip this up and say to you, we're rewriting the second half of the film. Can this person handle that? And that is, for me, what the best actors are. They're like the best collaborators. So however the world or however listeners may feel about Tom Cruise, I love him. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I love Tom Cruise is if you just watch any making of, just look at how much he gives to every single thing. He's, he would be amazing to work with. He's like the dream collaborator because you see him listen. You see him contribute. You see him just do all of these things, and that's what you want. Um, and I think for me, one thing I would ask, which I've never done, obviously, because I've never cast like a famous, famous person. I want to know if they're going to hang around when they're not on camera. Will they feed their lines to the actor? Because that is key for me, because it means they care about the other actor. And also they understand that what a lot of actors don't realize is how good they are on screen can always usually come down to however good the person opposite them is. So Mm -hmm. if the other person lets you down, you're not going to be your best. And one of the best things, and I, all of your listeners do this, just get all the Jack Nicholson stories you can, because one of the great things about Jack Nicholson is it turns out he's like actually awesome. He's an awesome human being. And in like A Few Good Men, all of those, he always gives the same performance, like the same intensity, even for inserts for other actors, for short lines, he's always on set. And that to me tells you like the man cares. He's there and you can put him on a set. He'll take care of people. And that's the kind of person you want to work with. Mm. And, you know, I I, I don't know how you can exactly guarantee that you'll get that every time, but you want to work with people you can work with. That sounds really stupid, but it, no. really simple you gotta no, be able to work with them exactly yeah keep it simple isn't it keep it simple and you gotta you gotta find your own your own ways to decipher it now whilst that is an audience question i'd like to expand on that one so oh, yeah so bearing that in mind they come in you think they're right for the part how do you know as a director that they're not a really nervous b <laughs> You know, and that's why they're not given a very good performance. Or B, are just being fake with you to win you over. I think the fake bit, you can kind of tell just from someone's eyes. And I feel like, you know, when you see a bad performance and there's just no inner quality. Because mm-hmm. for me, a character is all about inner. Like, if you can get across the character without saying any dialogue, yeah, you're great. You're in it. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But if you, like, need the dialogue to do it, like, you're not acting. That, that was the kind of acting I did when I was younger. I would just <laughs> say dialogue. Like, I, I was like, um, oh, we did Cuckoo's Nest. That was it. And I was McMurphy. I was the lead in Cuckoo's Nest. Mm. Cringe at the thought of my performance because I was just doing a Jack Nicholson impression. Mm-hmm. It was a great impression, but I had no inner life. And I think when you look at someone, you know how it is, you can immediately tell, like, what's mm. going on. Just mm-hmm. like, um, uh, if you imagine, like, okay, if anyone, if, if you're listening to this on a Saturday, I want you to go out on Sunday morning into the vaccined world, and I want you to look at all the, like, young'uns getting out of clubs and look at their eyes, all right? And they've obviously had some new chemicals introduced into their blood work, shall we say, and you can just see the eyes are different. They're somewhere else. That's what it's like when someone's mm. inner is off. They're like, well, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can see it the best like bobby de niro i mean oh man that dude he's just all in it even when he's doing terrible things he's he's robert de niro yeah that's kind of an unfair example (laughs) well i i I found i found it was amazing 
that somebody like Matt Damon, all of his characters have the same hairstyle. <laughs> yeah, and Jeremy Renner. <laughs> yeah. It's like, how convenient that you seem to be getting all of these parts where they have exactly the same hairstyle. That's kind of interesting. But I guess they have strong inners, so it, kinda, it doesn't matter. It works. Matt Damon's actually really good on inners. And hmm. there's a, oh, you know what? We've got the perfect bit. We've got like a bit where you can direct them to. Now, there's a bit. All right. Now, I'm not, I, I actually have come to reevaluate this film. Okay. I usually won't talk about other people's films. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, but Interstellar, I didn't like it at the cinema. What? Now, you'd think I would. Yeah, I know, because I'm a science figure. Hold on, hold on. Now, it's a, now, like any film, like my films, there's problems in it. But, um, I got this gorgeous spanking 4K disc of it and, you know, fell in love with it, like the music, the world, everything. But there's a scene which shows you, like, when dialogue gets in the way of good acting. I mean, there's quite, there's a scene in this film which is good. And I say this sincerely because I, I think it's a good tool. Now, if you haven't watched the film, uh, I don't think this is a spoiler. But basically, they find Matt Damon on a frozen planet, right? And he was part of a mission called the Lazarus Mission, right? And Matthew Connery's with him, and they wake him up from his long slumber, just like Lazarus. All right, see so how I'm going with this. Yeah. And, and he goes, um, he goes, you literally wake me from the dead. And then it cuts to, Matt Day, um, to Matthew McConaughey, and he goes, Lazarus. And we're like, yeah, we know. We didn't need any of that. Yeah, you just needed need to wake up, be tired, and it's great. And that is, um, mm. and the point is, you talk about Matt Damon's inner, and Matt Damon can do that in love. In, no pun intended. He can do it in his sleep. Like he's really good at his inners. Mm-hmm. And actually, says so Matthew McConaughey, but because they've got so Matthew McConaughey's so good at doing, like that dude. If you just close your eyes and picture him looking at off camera into the distance, you're like, yeah, he's thinking about something. Mm-hmm. Oh, something's going on. Something's he's going on right there. He's got it exactly. He's mm-hmm. got it, and that's yeah. that's the thing. Just when someone doesn't have an inner, you're like, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Mm-hmm. Next, please. They need a haircut. Yeah, they need a haircut. That's, that's it. it. That's it. If you've got great inners, you don't need a haircut. You don't need to style. Yeah, it. your character doesn't need a hairstyle. Just keep it whatever, you, whatever you want. There's a Dustin Hoffman line when he's auditioning in Tootsie. He's like, I can be taller. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get you the yellow pages. <laughs> nice. I love it. <laughs> so we've got a quick fire round now for you, JR. All right, All right go quick, for it. a quick fire. And the, the, um, the answer is just confident or not confident. All right. Oh, wait, that's the, those are the only two things They're I can the say. The only two things you can say, confident oh, or not confident. All right. Is, all there, right. A, is, there, is there an opposite word for confident? Um, I, I kind of feel like it's just not confident. That's what I've been rolling not, with. Yeah, non-confidence, right? yeah, I guess so. I don't want to yeah. go with, I don't want to go with unconfident. Like that seems like a 1984 double speak. Yeah, unconfident. Yeah, no, not confident. Not, I'm yeah. going with not confident. That's what I've been going with. <laughs> I go with. I didn't <laughs> consult the dictionary. I just trusted in my own logical brain. <laughs> you know. All right. So here we go. Okay. All right. You can. Good, you I'm can good. keep. So all of your pauses will be kept in. Okay. Okay. Just cool. So, I'm gonna stand, so we'll see. We so can... I'll have confident. No confidence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. right. Tightrope walking. Not confident. Skydiving. Confident. Wild camping in the jungle. Confident. Parenthood. <laughs> Not confident. Best man speech. Oh, confident. And doing it all again. Wait, doing what all again? Like this. my life? 
Mm-hmm. Oh, this. Oh, yeah, this right life. here. Comfort. No, no, life. Yeah. life. Oh, this, life. E- everything, mm. everything. This is in this. the big wide world. I've totally ruined your, your quick fire round for this, but like, as in like, I'm reborn and I remember everything. <laughs> Thank you. That's what you need to know, isn't it? That's what you need to know. Like, wait, do I get to know everything? Because if I remember everything, I think I'd actually not be confident. Because <laughs> mm. you'd just be like, oh, God, I remember 2020. God, I remember 2016. You'd just Whoa. be like... Wow, most people say like if I get to know everything, yeah, I'd be confident. Yeah, man, I'd just freak out. I'd be like, seriously? Like, Whoa. yeah, I'm going to make all those bad choices again. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you probably make even, yeah, because you've got twice as much time to make bad choices. <laughs> oh, zing. Zing. Wow. That probably says more about me than I realized. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, look, you don't seem to live with uh, with regret. You seem to, uh, you seem to embrace embrace everything that's kind of been thrown at you thus far you know man, even, you make, even re- making a film about it no man you just need a really good shovel that's mm. all <laughs> yeah just bury it deep down in there baby tink, 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 <laughs> pat it down pat it down so nobody can <laughs> earth it you know uh, jr jonathan reed edwards you've been an absolute pleasure today hope you've had fun thank you oh no dude this has been like absolutely fantastic thank you so much nice and, um May you edit me into a confident, non-rambly, amazing director. <laughs> <laughs> so you, have you got some, uh, some like outlets where people can, you know, a big shout out for what you've, what you've been up to, what, what's the handles, you know, your, your website, etc. Uh, hit us up on Instagram, obviously. Um, and then will there be links and stuff? Do you want yep. me to give you those? Yeah. Okay, yep. so yeah, you can hit us on Instagram. Um, Head over to blackhousepicks.com for more info and just watch The Good Neighbor on Amazon Prime in the US and UK. Uh, if you'd like to watch it in any other way, just contact us and I'll um, Uber Eats it to you. I don't really know how the future works. <laughs> <laughs> and is there any, <laughs> is there any uh, parting words that you want, to, uh, you want to leave our listeners with? You know what? I'm going to quote, um, I'm going to just give him the full credit. It's my agent. And um, he just said that, like I said, the most wonderful words to me. Go find your joy. Go do that, guys. Find your joy. Um, and don't be embarrassed to be going to find your joy because what else have you got? Lovely. That's it. Lovely. <laughs>